You damn right. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. Oh, it is almost here, draft fans, NFL fans. Tomorrow night is the NFL draft round one. Made it a nice primetime event. One round, one night. Beats what we used to do on the weekends. I won't bore you with that story, kids. We'll talk some draft today. We will get into the latest rumors, the stories. We'll get you a national perspective at 1230. We'll talk to a Cowboy fan and what does he want to have happen uh, at 26 at 105. We'll also check in on the Sark event in Houston today as uh, Chip Brown, Horns247.com, our normal visit at 205. He'll be driving back from the Houston event to let us know what Sark had to say today. Talking to the Houston Longhorn Group. As we close in on the season, Longhorn fans, you're only 129 days away from your first game. Let's go. Chad and Zay, I'm Chad Hastings, and he is Isaiah Collier. What's up, Zay? What up, though? Happy Wednesday, everybody. How you doing, Chad? Man, I'm good. I just need to know if you still have enough in the tank after two nights ago and all the drama with Butler and LeBron. After last night with close games and tonight, they're putting you in the quad box. They're going four games. Do you still have something in the tank, NBA fan? A little something. I'm going to need a five-hour energy, some coffee, some Mike Hard Blue Chew. I'm going to need it all. Woo! Man. Just to stay up. I'll tell you what. I could tell you that I didn't work eight ounces of coffee in where I don't normally work it in last night, but I'd be lying because I did. I was just trying to stay up, man, but it was awesome. Uh, we're going to have two double headers tonight in the NBA, and that is where we will get started today. Coming up at uh, 1230, I mentioned a national perspective. Joe DeLeon, who's joined us before, NFL draft analyst from the Believe Network, former long snapper at Rhode Island, by the way. He's been through the draft process in a in a way. Uh, but he knows the insides and outsides, and he's joined us before. I want to get his thoughts on Bijan, and then Zay and I were talking before the show. What is that national perspective today on the number two pick? And C.J. Stroud, and the Texans, and quarterbacks, and all that. Plus, we have a little bit of uh, new C.J. Stroud info. C.J. Stroud sound that is out today. And Zay, I don't know that he's helping his case very much. I don't think he is either. No. Thanks, that, CB, for sending us that. Yes, thank you. Chris Bennett, the uh, executive producer for every sports talk radio show on earth, uh, sent us the info. Shout out to him. Always working hard. Uh, check out CB on Twitter if you haven't. But uh, we'll get to the a uh, lot of the football stuff. We'll start with the NBA here. First off, sad news on Kawhi Leonard. Torn meniscus, they announced today, Zay. So that's why he wasn't able to go after game two. They'll take a little time and figure out what to do. It's good news, bet, sorry, better news that it's meniscus and not something worse. But this is the same knee. He had the ACL on in 21. The man just doesn't seem to be able to get right. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. You know, Ty Lue... You got to feel for him. When he came over from Cleveland, you thought that he'd get a really, really good team. Like, I picked them to win the finals one year, and I thought they had one of the best rosters in the NBA, but they just couldn't stay healthy. Their two main superstar guys, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you saw at this series, those guys have not been able to stay on the court at the same time when the playoffs come around. You could talk about load management. You could talk about, you know, having just a deep team. Norman Powell, he's a hell of a player, had 40 in games. Like, your role player shouldn't be getting 40. That's how good their roster is. You know, Russell Westbrook, say what you want about him. You'd think it was about to work, work out with 
the Los Angeles Clippers and Russell Westbrook getting traded midseason or toward the end of the season, trade deadline. And Paul George, he was the one that vouched for him with their time in Oklahoma City that one year Paul George was there. He was like, no, Russell needs to be in the right environment. And if you put him in the right situations, he could still be good for you. With the Lakers, he wasn't. The ball has to be in LeBron's hands. Reeves started coming along. Anthony Davis needs his touches, et cetera. While Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, those guys could play off the ball at times. And if they were giving Russell Westbrook the freedom that he needs that Darvin Ham was not, then you could see why he was succeeding at the Clippers. He had his games. He had a bad game last night. But still, it seemed like it was going to work. And, yeah, these last four years, ever since the bubble and they got bounced by the Nuggets, they just have not been able to stay healthy. And it's been very unfortunate because they have a really good roster. Yeah, Ty Lue throws out that fact last night that when Kawhi and Paul George play in an entire series, they haven't lost the series. Yeah, They don't lose the series. They just can't get them out there at the same time. They did lose last night. Phoenix beats them, uh, and they win the series. Denver finished their series off, and the Hawks stayed alive. One of our listeners just, uh, uh, one of our guys, Nate, just texted us, Trey shot was so cool. Uh, Trey Young hit some big shots at the end of the game. There was kind of a virtuoso performance in each game with his 38, Murray's 35 for Denver, and Booker with 47 for Phoenix. Just so much good basketball last night. Everything stayed close in all three games. It was fun watching. Yeah, you know, one thing about this job, Chad, you got to stay professional, but, you know, we all have feelings. We're human. Mm -hmm. And as a Texas fan, it's very difficult for me to hype up Trey Young. This I know you've had trouble with. It's very hard. And you know how it's difficult for me to do Westlake, guys? I've gotten past that. Yes. I, you know, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm getting past. I feel it. like you're, that. I feel like you're battling through your Westlake issues pretty well. Exactly. Yeah. But with Trey Young, it's tough. Mm. The dude's literally from Norman, <laughs> like born and raised. Born and freaking raised. Like a high school in Norman. Yes, was dropped. Like went to Norman North or whatever. Uh, had average forty two a game his <sighs> senior year before he was a McDonald's All American, and he became one of the best college basketball players I've ever seen. He was dropping like twenty and ten at his size in college basketball where the spacing is just very tough to do that. Right. As a freshman, it was impressive. So it's tough for me to big him up. So I got to, you know, say something foul about him. Just as a Texas fan, only a brother like that from Norman can have a messed up hairdo the way he do. Okay. So let me throw that you gotta out there. Got to get that, that out see there. that? Like that, that head toe up. He does, seem toe to have, up. he does seem to have the hair of a 58-year-old man that has never owned a brush or a comb. Oh, he looks like a lollipop got dropped on the floor on some carpet and just rolled around and you pick it up. <laughs> That's how he looks. His hair uh, is toe up. So let me get that out the okay. way. Because now we got to get to being professional and talk about the amazing performance that he put on without DeJounte Murray. Wow. Yeah. You know, Quinn Snyder, I could have came in and if the Celtics would have won, I probably would be bashing Quinn Snyder because that last defensive possession where the Hawks were up by one, oh my 116 God. to 115. Jeez. Quinn Snyder, get Trey Young out the game. Why is he in? He's not a defensive stopper. You have a timeout. This is when you start playing chess. This is, you know, coaching one-on-one. I know I have other defenders on the bench that I could put in the game. Put Sadiq Bey in the game. Put Johnson in the game. Just all those guys are better defenders at this point of the game than Trey Young. He didn't do that. They went right at him. Derek Wright went right at him. Blocking foul. They tried to challenge it. It didn't work. Derek Wright goes to the free throw line. Knocks down two free throws. Bang, bang. I'm, I'm over here like Quinn Snyder. 
that's so stupid. Yeah. Like, don't put Trey Young in that situation. I'm Trey Young. Yes, I'm a competitor, but I'm a little salty because I would know they're probably going to go at me here. I, Quint Snyder was probably thinking, ain't no way they're going to give it to Derek White to go for game. Why, they got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown's got 38. Why would they go to Derek White? Good job for Joe Missoula thinking, hell yeah, we're going to attack Trey Young no matter what mm-hmm. and see what happens and live with the results. So they go up two, I mean, they go up one, and then now it's Atlanta Hawks' turn. And Trey Young, just think about what he's gone through. We talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on air or off air, Chad. The Athletic, they dropped a report where all of the, not all of the NBA, but a lot of NBA players took a vote right. of, you know, what's the toughest places to play, who's the who's the coach that you would love to play for most, you know, who's the hardest guy to play against, best defender, et cetera. They also did who's the most overrated player. Trey Young was that guy by a long shot. Mm. You yeah. don't think that? So his peers called him overrated. Overrated. Yeah. You don't think that's in his mind? Like, Trey Young, I just hated on him. The dude's a dog. The dude's tough. Tough as hell. Yeah. He's thinking about those things. Remember, when he went to the Garden a couple of years ago, Knicks fans are still seeing F. Trey Young in right. chance. They're going crazy. They're beating the Cavs right now, and I'm watching videos. They're still seeing F. Trey Young. They're wow. still talking about this guy. That was two years ago. Did you hear them ask him about it last night? They said, hey, Trey, we noticed late in the game they were doing the F. Trey Young thing. And he said, does that does that show you respect? And did it remind you of the Knicks series? And he goes, well, no, it didn't remind me of the Knicks series. He goes, the Knicks fans were doing it with 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. Yeah. Like, they started early on. And you're saying they're still doing it? They're still doing it. They're beating the Cavs right now, and they're doing it in joy. That's like, crazy. It's nuts. So he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And that last play, like he's already has 14 points, or excuse me, 13 points in the fourth quarter before the shot. So you know he's going to shoot it. And the shot that he hit, like Jalen Brown, people are blaming him for not pressing up. What can you do? I mean, Brown got out there. What, what can you do? Nobody shoots that. That's not a good shot. That's not a normal shot. They're down by... What they're down by one, you would think he's going for a two. Right, he's going to drive to the lane. Yeah, you need one of a the, bucket. You, you need, need a bucket. That bucket. Yeah, he takes two dribbles, and before he takes a third, he hits Jalen Brown with a hesitation. While he's doing the hesitation, he's gathering into his shot, and it kind of you know we talk about how skilled these guys are. That's it's so difficult from the range that he's shooting at to do a hesitation and getting your shot that quick. That's what separates the superstars and the all-stars and just the role players and some random guys that are trying to make the league. That's what separates them. And Trey Young, he's a borderline uh, superstar in my opinion. There's been talks about him being traded. I know that's been in his mind. The Lakers, somebody threw out a rumor of the Lakers would love to have him uh, be there with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So it's uh, Trey Young, he's got a lot going on. And now you don't have DeJounte Murray because he's out here shoulder bumping folks. He's not available, so you know you have to be aggressive. And he started the game, the first play of the game. They got the ball to tip. They throw it to Trey Young, dribbles up the court, doesn't pass to nobody, shoots around the same area where he shot the game winner, shoots a three, knocks it down, sets the tone 
early. Wow. Like, I'm here. We I, we yeah. know Murray's not here. Y'all think this is going to be easy? Hell no, it's not. Shout out to John Collins. He's been trashed this whole series. He looked good. He finally had a good game. Yeah. They need that. He finally had a good game. And, yeah, if you're a Boston Celtics, you let one go. You're up by 13 in the fourth quarter with around six minutes to go. I don't know why the hell Missoula has Blake Griffin playing. He Blake Griffin needs to retire. He is washed. His career. He's an Oklahoma guy. I can still hate on him. He is washed. Let him go. He is worthless. He came in and gave them no minutes. All he did was put them in foul trouble and let guys like Trey Young and Bogdanovich go to the free throw line and knock shots down to where they could get back in the game. I know Al Hofer gave you nothing and you're trying everything. You need to go small and have Brogdon, Tatum, Brown, uh, uh, um, White, and Williams in at the same time. You need to play small because that big lineup, that's what cost them at the end. So talk to me about this play at half court when you talk about the, what happened when Atlanta was up one. This is when Boston's up a point, I believe it was, and to put Smart out there on Young right at the half court line, he gets called for a foul. Stupid. Did you agree with it being a foul? Did he, is, he, is he saying he slapped a hand as he tried to knock the ball away? No, just too much body. Too much body in there. For one. Why out- are you out there to have court like that? You outweigh Trey Young by 50 pounds, it looks like. If you bump him, he's going to fall. Yeah. That's just what it is. Right, you're losing the physics on that you foul. Got, you're right. You got to right. understand who you are, Marcus yes. Smart. You got to understand the time. And he's a very smart player, defensive player of the year. You want to give Trey Young pressure. I get that, but you want to be smart about it. And he's it. got him cornered off. I mean, Trey's still dribbling the ball, but he's got him kind of cornered. So make him go one way or the other. Don't get that close. I mean, Smart's one of the better defenders in the league, or at least he was at one point. Maybe he's not he still, today. He still is. But he's still respected as one of those guys. That was confusing to me. Zay, as good as the Celtics are, they will go through weird sections at end of games, big moments in games, full possessions that feel important where Jason Tatum doesn't touch the ball. And then the Jaden uh, the, the, the Brown flying in the lane out of control, just throw up a prayer. I was like late in the game when they absolutely needed something, and he rushed it. Didn't t- didn't take the time. They just go into weird spots late in games. I don't know if I trust the Celtics to go all the way because of moments like that. Yeah, it's tough. And Trey Young, he just had one of those games. You know, when Jalen Brown's cooking like that, you gotta let him cook. He's one of the best two way players in the league. You know, he he was eating last night. Oh, he Jason had a great Tatum. night. Thirty five yeah. last night. Yeah, yeah thirty. Yeah, thirty five. And Jason Tatum, he kind of took a back seat to that. And there were times where he should have been aggressive, and they had some really bad turnovers towards the end of the game that led to the Hawks coming back from 13. So, yeah, again, you're up by 13 points, seven minutes to go. You got to win that at home. You got to win that game. Uh, we said it yesterday. All three of those home teams, it just felt like there were no excuses. You got to finish. You got to close the door. But they get outscored by 12 in the fourth quarter. Like Missoula, Blake Griffin played six minutes, and there were some of the worst six minutes. I've seen. I, he he had a zero plus minus, so it wasn't too bad. They were trading buckets. He didn't technically hurt. Yo, it was. I <laughs> was I like, what, what are you saying, doing yeah. out here, He's bro? Not good. Two fouls. But like, if there's something about fouling guys, and they go to the line, and they might not necessarily have a rhythm, and then they make two free throws, and all of a sudden the rim's an ocean. Yep. And now they can start knocking shots down. So that's what I mean by... It helps to calm the team exactly. as well. Exactly. Gives Atlanta that thing of, let's take a breath, let's get some points. Yeah, let's get our energy let's back. Let's get back in. And then Collins, that big... I thought the shot to make it, 
it, cut it to like 111, 105, something like that. Yeah, yeah, the three. To cut it back to the to the to a two possession game, and it was Collins that hit it. I thought that was a huge bucket. Then you could almost feel Atlanta thinking, "Oh, okay," and you could feel that crowd tighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh oh, this is a ball game now. Yep, yeah, out of nowhere. So Celtics don't get it done, but then the other two teams do finish it off. Uh, Denver wins, and uh, the, the Joker throws out one of his crazy triple doubles. 28, 17, and 12. Just in case, Zay, we thought maybe he wasn't the craziest weapon we've ever seen at center. 28, 17, and 12, but he was outdone once again by his teammate, Mr. Murray, with 35. Jamal Murray is out of his mind right now. Yeah, yeah, he looks great, and I'm so ready for the second-round series between the Nuggets and the Suns. I mean, the Suns looked incredible last night. Devin Booker, 47 points. I mean, they looked bad. Mm. They, they had to come back. They were down by double digits at one point, but then when Devin Booker said, you know what, I'm not going to let us lose and had an amazing second half, he took over the game, and it's crazy. KD, he said D-Book's performance was spiritual, but KD loves playing off D-Book. You could tell. Like, KD doesn't get to have those moments very often where he could just stand in the corner and wait for the ball to be swung to him, Mm -hmm. and he could just take catch-and-shoots. You know, jumpers, catch-and-shoot threes, or playoff, you know, closeouts. It's not... You don't see the same KD that's throwing out insane crossovers and breaking guys' ankles. He's not that guy anymore. He's not going to exert that energy. He knows he doesn't have to. He's kind of taking a Dirk approach where... I'm taller than everybody. I'm going to get to my spots, and I'm going to work on these things. The shots that I shoot, like 500 a day, I'm going to take those jumpers in the game because it doesn't matter who guards me. Right. I'm going to get there. When I rise, you can't get it there. Does, yeah, he yeah. was shooting like little feet. He makes one dribble, and he'll, he got a little step on you with the left hand, and then he'll shoot a little fadeaway to the right. You can't stop it. You yeah. can't block it. It's so beautiful how he gets into that shot. It's amazing. Oh it's the, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen yeah. by any basketball player. Yeah. So now you got Book. He, now the focus is on him because he's starting to dominate. you got to pick your poison. And looking at this next series with the Nuggets and the way Murray's playing, all the other guys, like there's two – role players on each side that are going to be huge to this series because we know what the Joker is, two-time MVP. We know what Kevin Durant is. We know what Devin Booker is. We know what Jamal Murray is. But what is Chris Paul going to bring to this series? Mm-hmm. What does he have left? Who, who is Malone, Mike Malone and the Nuggets going to put on Chris Paul? What's DeAndre Ayton going to do with Joker? How is DeAndre Ayton going to make Joker work on the offensive end and so Joker's going to have a, you know, tough, put them in pick and rolls with Bug. Joker's going to have to play D this series. He's yeah. going to have to. Last night I thought Aiton's 21 points, that 9 of 18 performance. I wonder if that is Phoenix trying to think of, okay, because he has to be active in that next he series. He has to be amazing. If Joker doesn't have to think about him, Denver's going to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the other side, Michael Porter Jr. is a mismatched nightmare. And I think they're going to put KD on him. Mm-hmm. And KD has become a really good defender as of late, especially when he went to the Warriors. He could focus on defense a little more, and he's gotten better throughout the later stages of his career. So that matchup is very intriguing. The Bruce Brown, him on Devin Booker, making him work and do different things. Aaron Gordon, he'll probably guard KD on the other side. What does that mean? You know, who's going to check Aaron Gordon? Because he could do some things offensively. It's a very intriguing series. I'm really looking forward to it. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of good stuff coming in the NBA. We'll talk about 
about those four games tonight. Continue to break things down. Somebody sent us a text. Uh, it says Trey Lance must go to the same barber as Trey Young. Wow, that's just rude. That no, is they, so rude. No barber. That's the whole that's point. No barber. No barber. They need to find a just barber. Natural, I think like <laughs> Trey Young just wakes up, gets out of bed, looks in the mirror, brushes the teeth, and just goes to practice. It looks like uh, it looks it looks like a different version of what Rod Stewart was rocking in the eighties. <laughs> we used to always get on Rod like. How is it that all the women love him? It looks like he just gets out of bed and goes to, to the stage. He looks like he's never touched it. What is going on? All right, so a lot of NBA to hit. We got uh, football as well. Coming up at 105 and 205 today, our normal guests on Wednesday, Justin Wells of Inside Texas at 105, Chip Brown at 205 from Horns247.com. Chip will be on his way back from Houston talking about that Sark event with the Houston uh, Longhorn group today, so we'll get his immediate thoughts there. Up next, though, a national perspective on the draft. Joe DeLeon, NFL draft analyst for the Believe Network, and his thoughts on Bijan, the second pick, the Texans, the Cowboys, and whatever else we can fit in next on The Horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, I better know this one. A little sweet emotion from Aerosmith. God, I remember... Remember learning this song when I was a kid and Steven Tyler and the whole deal. They're one of my favorite bands. Aerosmith getting us started. Are you into Aerosmith, Zay? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I got hey, some hits. I might have to find an old Aerosmith record for you to check out. In I'm fact, with it. In fact, the album this song is on is one of their best. I believe that would be Toys in the Attic. There's a thought for Zay once we get back to the album stuff. All right, so Aerosmith gets us started musically. We're already off and running talking NBA, but we got a lot of football to get into. So it's Chad and Zay on a Wednesday. Let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Candy. Cantina Hotline, nice enough to give us a little time as he did a couple weeks ago. He is Joe DeLeon from uh, the Believe Network, NFL Draft Analyst, host of Believe in NFL Draft Prospects. Joe, we appreciate the time. I know it's a crazy week for you. How are you? Good, good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Man, we're glad to have you on again. Uh, We wanted to get your kind of updated thoughts on a few things. Let's just go right towards the top of the draft here. This discussion around the number two pick, Houston, C.J. Stroud, the the smoke screens, all that's going on. What are you hearing right now about that second pick? Yeah, I, I think that as we've heard throughout this whole process, and I've heard indirectly through this whole process, that they just, they're not in love with any of these quarterbacks. They haven't really found a reason to like any of the available options. And I think with that in mind, they're not going to force it. They're not going to go with somebody that they're not in love with, and they're going to wait until next year. It's a situation where Nico Ryans has a lot of runway, so he doesn't need to rush it if they don't feel comfortable with that decision. So I think this is going to be one of the top edge rushers, if it's Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson. I'm leaning Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech right now. Similar to what happened last year with Trayvon Walker, the bigger, stronger, more high upside player compared to the guys who played better in Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, they went, the Jaguars went with Walker. I think the same is going to happen with Wilson, who big, strong kids, super long arms, blows up blockers super easily, doesn't always hit home on sack production, but is a disruptive player that I think could turn out to be a fantastic pro in year two or year three. Mm. 
You know, Joe, we know all these GMs and front offices, they are nitpicking each player to the T. And now you hear all these different stories about C.J. Stroud and Will Levis and Stroud and the cognition test and not, you know, at the Manning camp and blah, 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 blah. Why do you think this is going on and do you think this is really affecting C.J. Stroud's uh, stock and how do you think this is hyping up Will Levis's? Yeah, and I'm sure that there's going to be some story out there that C.J. Stroud's teammates didn't want to go to his birthday party, too. And I, I think it's just that situation where uh, we're, uh, we're overanalyzing things. And I think that the media sometimes latches on to uh, small little pieces that they get from uh, maybe from people a part of these NFL organizations. The benefit to any team that likes C.J. Stroud that's outside of the top ten or the top five is they're hoping that the media pushes these narratives so that they can fall into their lap that they don't have to trade up too far uh, to get him. I think what might end up happening is he might be the fourth quarterback taken and I think like a team like the Vikings or the Titans could just be patiently waiting to see what happens and then move up and go and get him uh, for a pick that's not as expensive but I'm not too worried on CJ Stroud I think he's one of the more natural throwers if not the most natural thrower in the class. Uh, I understand some concerns on his decision making ability as He's perfect on that first read, but once he gets to the second read, he's a little bit indecisive. He thinks a little bit too much. It's going to take some time for him to get acclimated to the NFL, uh, but I could very well see him staying within the top ten. Talking with Joe DeLeon, again, at Joe DeLeon on Twitter, if you want to give him a follow. Part of the Believe Podcast Network, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, former long snapper at Rhode Island. So he knows about big-time draft uh, draft pressure on this time of year. Come on. Uh, Joe, let's stay with that position. <laughs> Do you think Levis is going to be the second quarterback taken after what you're, what you're, how you're seeing things reorganized? Do you think Levis goes off the board second, uh, quarterback-wise? Yeah, I think more than ever that has – become more of a realistic outcome i don't believe the whole reddit thing i think that it's just such an unreliable source and there's been frankly no information from inside sourcing that has indicated that he could be a carolina panther but i think at that third spot with the arizona cardinals i I really do think that somebody is going to trade up into that position to take will levis and the attraction makes sense he's a big strong kid He's got a, a powerful arm. He's a good, above-average athlete. He's really tough. He's lauded as a very high-character guy. The decision-making is not great at times, and it's a little questionable, and I think he needs to improve his touch on his throws despite him having a big arm. Uh, but because of all that, it checks every box for, for every old-school NFL evaluator. So him being the second quarterback, I think the argument certainly could be made. Joe, talking about Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back, we know a lot of teams are thinking about moving up to maybe get him, and we know the stigma on drafting a running back in the first round. What does it mean for the second contract? What does it mean for your ball club? Where do you see him now we are almost 24 hours out? Where do you see him going, and could you see him maybe drop into where the Cowboys are at 26? Yeah, I don't see him falling further than 20 or 25 at the very latest. Bijan Robinson's a top-five talent in this class. It just hurts him that positional value doesn't really match the talent. He's going to be a really impactful rookie, and I think if he's on the right roster with a good offensive line, a playoff-contending team, he could be like a 1,500-yard rusher in his first year, which sounds crazy to say, but he is ready to step in and make some noise right away because of the explosiveness because of the power that he brings to the position. Uh, but we got to look at 
who might be in a position to take him that they're not going to be assuming he's going to fix all of their problems like a bad football team would. I think that the Eagles at 10 are the first realistic option, but they're not usually a team that drafts running backs that early. I think that the Los Angeles Chargers are certainly a very realistic option. And then I'd also pay attention to maybe the Minnesota Vikings who have made indications that they might want to move on from Dalvin Cook. And then absolutely the Dallas Cowboys, the argument can be made because of uh, we know that, that Jerry Jones loves drafting running backs in the first round. And I'm sure that he's in love with a Texas kid uh, being the, uh, the successor to Ezekiel Elliott. But any of those teams are going to definitely take him, I think, somewhere in the first round. Joe, what do you make of this discussion about the eighth pick with Atlanta being a spot where Bijan could end up? Would you see the Falcons maybe making a move like that uh, in the top ten, or do they have other needs to deal with? I think it's really realistic, and the reason why is we know that Arthur Smith loves running the football. And his time in Tennessee, he had Derrick Henry, and he hasn't had that type of guy so far in Atlanta. So he absolutely could be chasing getting a bell cow guy to lean on. My only pushback on why I'd hope that's not the decision that they make is, like I mentioned earlier, you can't draft Bijan and assume he's going to solve all your problems. I think the Atlanta Falcons have so many holes defensively. I think their offensive line, uh, there's still some question marks and there's inconsistencies there. They don't even really have an answer at quarterback yet. So for them to address running back before those other things, it smells very similar to what the New York Giants did when they drafted Saquon Barkley second overall, where you drafted Saquon, they still stunk, they still lost a bunch of football games. Saquon was great, but it was for no real positive outcome. So I'm hoping that's not the case, but it really does make a lot of sense because Arthur Smith loves running the football as much as we know he does. Joe, somebody's stock that has risen crazy during these last few weeks is Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, the edge rusher. You know, he's gigantic, and I could see the upside with a lot of teams wanting him. What do you see in somebody like that? Because we watched a lot of the Big 12 this year, and I did not see him being this high and getting this much love once the draft came around. Yeah, the love for him is one of those cases of, of just measurables. He's got the longest wingspan out of all the edge rushers. He's got, um, you know, the most powerful build out of all the edge rushers. You watch him on tape, and you just see him completely overpower guys. He demolishes tight ends. He blows up offensive tackles because he's just so strong. Again, the thing where I'm a little bit hesitant on him is his flexibility isn't great. Uh, he also doesn't consistently hit home. He's one of those guys who's so focused on blowing up his blocker, but doesn't always go and find the quarterback effectively. But I think if you can tap into that, you can coach him up a little bit. He could be a serious problem. At the very least, if he isn't that Texans pick at number two, I don't see him sliding out of the top ten. We're talking with Joe DeLeon. Again, check out Believe in NFL Draft Prospects on the Believe Network. Uh, Joe, let's go to that 26th pick and the Cowboys. You know we got a lot of fans around here wondering what's going to happen. So let's say Bijan's already gone. Um, what do you think the Cowboys may be looking at at 26? What are you hearing from them, that uh, a matchup for them that, that makes sense for you at 26? I think their two best options are drafting a wide receiver or a tight end. And considering that this wide receiver class isn't great, I would maybe consider Jordan Addison at this spot, but I, one name to pay attention to is Dalton Kincaid, the Utah tight end. If Michael Mayer's off the board, Kincaid is a great flex tight end, a guy who can play in space, in the slot, a good vertical threat, strong route runner. 
replacement for Dalton Schultz. I think Dalton Kincaid would be an awesome weapon to add in for Dak Prescott, who, frankly, right now just needs a, a nice go-to threat, and I think Dalton Kincaid can provide that. You know, Joe, everybody wants to talk about Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and the rest of the quarterbacks from Stroud to Bryce Young, but Hendon Hooker, his name's starting to come up a lot. And before he tore his ACL at Tennessee, he was absolutely balling. I mean, that game against Alabama definitely comes to mind. With that injury, what are GMs and people in the front office looking at him? Are they looking at him as more of a project or just a guy that once he gets healthy, he can maybe come and play right away? Yeah, I think that Anthony Richardson is just such a, a amazing talent athletically that I think a lot of teams aren't going to want to pass up on that opportunity to develop and work with him. And I, I pay close attention to the Indianapolis Colts at four who are in a little bit of a rebuild mode and can have uh, you know a little bit more runway with a new head coach in Shane Steichen. But Anthony Richardson's just such a great runner of the football. I think that you see him being inexperienced rather than um, unknowing and raw of being capable of succeeding. There's so many highlights that you get from him on film, but him being inexperienced shows up where he gets flustered. The game starts to move a little bit too fast for him. And I know that a guy like that who's a natural athlete, eventually if you get him enough reps, he'll calm down, he'll figure it out, and he's going to get better. It just might take a year or two for him to get better, but let him go out there, let him make mistakes, and then eventually – I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL if he succeeds. Joe, back to the Texans for a quick sec. You mentioned the second pick and what you're hearing about them. Just to be clear, do you see them making both of their first-round picks and not taking a quarterback? The word you're hearing is they're just not going to be interested in anybody in this draft, quarterback-wise? Yeah, I really don't think that they're going to take a quarterback with either spot. I just It really feels that they've – I've heard a problem that they've had, it feels like, with every single quarterback. Uh, and it just seems as though if you're not excited, what's the point of pushing, uh, you know, that situation and bringing in a guy that you're not totally 100% all on board on? I wouldn't be surprised if they don't just take two defensive players. Domingo Ryan's is a defensive-minded guy, so you throw in uh, two talented young defensive players into the mix, and then next year you get your quarterback. If it's Drake May or if it's Caleb Williams, things could be pretty scary uh, by 2025. Joe, before we let you go, is there a Brock Purdy in this draft to you? Not necessarily a guy picked at the very end, but a guy that is very undervalued that's going to be picked on maybe the third day that you could see coming in and making a difference. You know, Isaiah Pacheco comes to mind for Kansas City, somebody like that. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's particularly a, a Brock Purdy at uh, the quarterback position. This year's class doesn't have a lot of you know, late-round gems at the quarterback position. I think one player to pay attention to as a day-three pick that I don't feel is getting enough love is, is Ricky Stromberg, the center from Arkansas. He's been pushed down as this day-three pick, but he's my number one center on my board. I think he's really experienced, very flexible, powerful, moves really well. It was exactly what he needs to do in the right angles that he needs to take. I think the NFL's only concern with Ricky Stromberg is just his his physical profile, they're not in, in love with the way that he's built, which is a little strange thing to get caught up on. But just like Creed Humphrey a few years ago was, was somebody who slid the Oklahoma center and is now one of the better centers, if not one of the best centers in the NFL for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think somebody can get an absolute steal with Ricky Stromberg. 
Joe DeLeon, NFL Draft Analyst. Check out Believe in NFL Draft Prospects. Joe, before we let you go, there was a leak today that your cognition test has been put into question from the time when you were leaving Rhode Island. Can you confirm or deny? Uh, I can absolutely deny. I, I, I got good grades. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand behind that. <laughs> All right. Just wanted to check. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, we appreciate the time, man. I know it's a crazy time, but I know it's a time that uh, that you're loving right now. So enjoy all the draft stuff, and uh, we'll check in with you after it's all said and done and see how everybody did, if that's cool. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Thanks, man. Joe. Joe DeLeon, NFL draft analyst there. Yeah, former long snapper at Road island interesting stuff tyree wilson would be his pick right now uh for number two at the texans they just aren't taking a quarterback i haven't heard anybody that's willing to say they're taking one uh and uh so he said it's wilson or anderson there wide receiver or tight end for the cowboys is what he is looking at right now interesting stuff yeah i mean next year the quarterback class is deep it's just if you're a texans are we tanking again like do we like davis mills he's all right and the AFC, I guess it's just so stacked that you assume even with getting the Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson, you're going to be right back here in the top five again. I think the idea would be that you're going you're gonna to make another move there, some kind of move. You've got Case Keenum as a guy that's been in the league and can give you something as a backup. I wonder if there's another move that, that would be out there, some, some veteran type of guy that – I'm trying to think of who it might be. Like, Some somebody else's backup. Like you're weirdly hearing Lamar Jackson rumors to oh, Houston. I mean, if they could figure that out, that, that, that'd be truly interesting. If they could, uh, if they could get that going. But yeah, it, and I understand the theory. If you're not absolutely in love, and if D'Amico Ryan's looks you dead in the face and says, "I'm the guy that's deciding what happens here. I will live and die with this thing," and I'm telling you, one of those guys next year will be incredible. And yeah, you asked the right question, though. Are you officially tanking again? Are you about to go through the process to go get Caleb Williams again? Or do you need to take your chances on somebody in this group? Yeah, I'm not sure. Or do they end up somewhere in between again with a Case Keenum slash Mills slash, I don't know. I've seen multiple reports that the Heisman winner in 2022 would be the number one pick if he was in the draft this year. Caleb would be the number one guy. Yes. Yeah. Right. Then that would make sense. Uh, but obviously they're going to do. They would have to do a lot of losing to get back to that point again. And they showed last year they couldn't even figure that part out <laughs> to get to the number one pick, which they should have right now. Uh, but they don't. All right. So thanks to Joe for his time. We'll continue to talk some draft. Justin Wells of Inside Texas at one oh five. We'll talk a little Longhorn stuff. The good news on the basketball side uh, with the men's team. Obviously not so great news right now with baseball. Although they did get the win last night over Texas Southern. And Justin is a Cowboys fan. What does he want the Cowboys to do tomorrow night with that twenty sixth pick? And where does he think Bijan ends up and makes the most sense? We'll get into all of that up next in the crap bag though we asked a question yesterday and i got the response on email one of my favorite listeners old miss girl with her thoughts on chris beard as the head coach this is pretty interesting we'll get you her response and a couple other things next on the horn chad and zay Okay. I like it. Very groovy. I don't know it, but I like it. Should I know this? No. Okay. This is a Dave in the Cave exclusive. A Dave in the Cave special. All right, who is it? 
Tale of the Three Cities. That's the song. Whoa. Salsa Orchestra is the group. Wait, salsa? Like I'm dipping salsa? No, Sal Soul Orchestra. Sal Soul Orchestra. Yeah. Okay. We got guys in the building that are even more music snobs than we are, giving us ideas. Dave is one of them, the Sal Soul Orchestra. Also, our man E. Kruger gave me the CD, his only copy. Of that rapper he was telling us about. Oh, yeah, that's right. What's his name? Like Iceberg Slim or yeah, whatever from the, Slim. from the mid-70s? Yeah, he was a pimp. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently the album is just basically like an audio version of him reading a book about being a pimp in the 70s. Yeah, about pimping. <laughs> so I have the CD, if you're interested. Do you still have a CD player? I do not. Okay. I have like one or two at my disposal. I'm sure I could go look up Iceberg Slim and find <laughs> something. All right. So we got all that going on. So Sal Soul Orchestra and Aerosmith getting us started musically. We've got uh, our man Justin Wells coming up from Inside Texas and On3.com. If you're just jumping in, Kawhi Leonard and a torn meniscus got the show started today on kind of that note with the uh, NBA. Now, somebody did text us as a Spurs fan. It's hard for me to feel sorry for Kawhi. I do always wonder how Spurs fans deal with that whole story. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he helped them get that last title. He was the MVP, wasn't MVP, he? MVP yeah. of that series. And, th- and they thought he was their second bridge. They got this amazing bridge from da- from David to Timmy, and they thought they were getting the ultimate br- next bridge, and it would just keep going, and it didn't happen that Yeah, way. he was next. He yeah. was next. Then the Zaza Pachulia thing happened, and obviously the front office in San Antonio and Kawhi, they weren't seeing eye to eye. And you look now, fast forward to now, Chad, Think about Kawhi not trusting his body then. And think about where he is now. All the injury problems, the torn mm-hmm. ACLs, the, the torn meniscus and stuff like that. He might have had something there. He might have had something there. Knowing this body, knowing Maybe. like, hey, yeah. I know my body, guys. If I go out there, I could get seriously injured. And we've seen him get seriously injured a lot. That's been the problem with his tenure in Los Angeles. So, it's unfortunate, but yeah, I don't feel your pettiness, Spurs fans. I get it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's understandable, I guess. A lot of good NBA last night. Got f- four games coming tonight, uh, and we will get you uh, a little bit more on those as we roll through. Let's get you a crap bag here. Got a response from uh, from a, a fan and listener, and a couple other notes for you, including if you're a freaky wrestling fan like me. Here we go. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just... Think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Dark Side of the Ring is coming back a little later this spring. We'll get to that. But first, we were talking about Chris Beard yesterday and Old Miss, and I told Old Miss girl happy birthday because I messed up on her birthday a couple days ago and didn't mention it. Uh, but I've been forgiven for that officially. But we were talking about Chris Beard and the fact that he just had the uh, the get. What's the young man's name? Austin Nunez. There you go. Uh, a San Antonio area kid, right? That yep. he just got to to commit to Ole Miss. So you were asking, hey, what does Ole Miss girl think of Chris Beard? Well, she did respond via email yesterday. First off, she says she's really into this uh, women's coach, Coach Yo McPhee McQuinn. They beat Stanford, almost beat South Carolina oh, this know, year. If you beat Stanford, I'm a fan of you. There you go. Absolutely. I know. That'll you know get you. I, 
Yeah. Yeah, you know how I feel about old girl over there with the terrible Bob. You're not Team Tara. Never. <laughs> no, you're she's not. She's such a hater. Yeah. So uh, so she's into that, and she says, as far as Coach Beard goes, I don't know about him. I suppose he's the best man uh, men's basketball coach we've ever hired based on qualifications. He was hired after I left campus. Coach Beard says all the right things, but I feel that if he succeeds after, say, three years, he'll go somewhere else. Lots of places said he's a, uh, he's a great hire. Um, he's a great hire based on qualifications, but Ole Miss tossed out ethics by ignoring the alleged crime. So it's a poor hire. You know if NCAA damaged coaches like Sean Miller can get hired again, a coach with an alleged domestic assault will certainly be available. And I suppose that's my biggest problem with him is the alleged domestic assault. I'm female, so I feel this one. I have looked and I have not seen any of the women coach, uh, head coaches at Ole Miss say they are okay with Coach Beard's hiring. So I guess I will have to wait and see. And I'm going to stay in the passenger car of the lane train <laughs> for now. <laughs> that comes from Old Miss Girl. She's also Astros Girl. She wants to, always wants me to know she's an Astros fan, just to stick it into the Rangers fan part of me. Uh, your SEC sister and a proud supporter of the men's College World Series champs and the World Series champs. So there you go. A realistic look at uh, the fan that gets Chris Beard now. Yeah. I know a lot of people feel that way for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Old Miss Girl, as always, for listening and contributing. Shout-out to the Oxford crew, uh, and thank to the, thanks to them for uh, listening in, checking in all these years. So one other crap bag item here. If you're a wrestling fan, Dark Side of the Ring is coming back. The Vice documentary series, looking at pro wrestling and going hour by hour. Zay, have you peeked in on any of these? Um, do you have the Vice channel on your TV? I, I do. I feel like I've seen one. I think I saw the Benoit one. Oh, wow. Now that's yeah, a, a dark, I, dark place to start. I think I saw that one. There's definitely some that are a little more upbeat than that. But it is a, again, it's called Dark Side of the Ring for a reason. They tell the real serious stories um, of professional wrestling. And this is season four. And here are some of the ones that jumped out to me. JYD. That'll be a fantastic episode. The Junkyard Dog getting his own episode. Marty Jannetty, the other half of the Rockers. Magnum T.A., and Doink the Clown is getting his own episode. Wow. I have no idea where that's going to go. I don't know the story, but they are going to break it all down for you. So May 30th is when they are back. May 30th on Vice, Dark Side of the Ring. They've got 10 new episodes coming this season. So pay attention to that. Also, a quick note, did you see the Titans are going to get a new stadium? I did. Uh, and they've got more public money in this thing, over a billion dollars of public money than anything they've ever done. But here's what I'm interested in. It's a domed stadium, which probably means it's going to have to be turf. And this grass turf thing yeah. is really starting to get rolling in the NFL. And they're starting to see numbers from last year that they don't like. They're seeing more non-contact injuries on the turf than grass. They're not seeing it evened out anymore like they did a couple years ago. Players Association's kind of pissed. But I don't know if the league's going to really react. I think we're going to continue to see more turfed, covered stadiums. Yeah, the it's a lot costs a lot more money to take care of grass, and we know guys like Odell Beckham. He's a huge advocate for grass fields because he was the one of the ones that got hit with yeah. one of those non-contact injuries in the Super Bowl playing on the turf field. So on his home turf. On his right? home turf, yep. yeah, ironically. And we saw kind of how it was a mess during the Super Bowl, especially with the Eagles, like a team that was one of the best of all time of getting to the quarterback and getting sacks and getting pressure. They struggled getting their foot in because of the grass was so poor in Arizona and uh, Super Bowl 57. Yep. So, like, 
that's the issue that you're going to be dealing with? Like, how is the condition going to be as you go from week one to week 18 and so on and so on? But, yeah, I anything that helps the players help, I'm for. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's tough when you're talking about cost of these prices and stuff. Yeah. You just gave both sides of it, though. The league will come back and say, Philly, we can get you better footing. It's turf. We'll get you more consistent footing with mm-hmm. the turf. Yeah. And Beckham's got his argument the other way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The consistency of that turf in one spot is what I'm talking about. So that battle's going to go back and forth. But Tennessee will have a new stadium. They think they're going to be ready in 2027 for the Titans to get into their new stadium. That so, country money. How about that? That Some, Broadway money. That's that Nashville money, ladies and gentlemen. All right, coming up, your 1 o'clock hour, Justin Wells of Inside Texas. We'll start it off as he does every Wednesday. His thoughts on some Longhorn stuff, plus what the Cowboys may do at 26, and where does he think Bijan ends up in the draft? That's coming up on the Horn.